All of the food we eat and much of the clothing we wear comes from plants and animals that are raised on farms. Farms are different in type, in size, and even in name. Welcome to Barn Talk. What happens at the barn stays in the barn until now. We're going to let it all out for you guys. Today is going to be a Barn Talk Hot Topics episode, one of our favorite formats and one of the, one of your guys' favorite formats. We just pretty much go through all the hot topics, surfing the internet, surfing the web, and the geopolitical on the world stage pretty much anything and everything that's going on in the world we talk about it and i feel like we could probably do one of these every single every single day every single week but we we like to change up the formats every once in a while so this isn't the only kind of show that you get but we're going to get into russia china tulsi gabbert going independent uh midterms coming up uh some stupid people making dumb comments on twitter elon musk it's going to be a really really good episode we got a lot of good topics lined up uh, but before we get into that, uh, we're going to talk a little bit, give you guys a little bit of an update of how things have gone around here. Uh, we finished up harvest. It was a really great harvest. Uh, corn, soybeans, yields were better than expected. Nobody got hurt. Equipment only broke down a couple times, three we times. Burn, we didn't burn anything down. Nothing got burned down. But we did end up losing our dog, Duke. So our German Shepherd, Duke, five years old or six years old, I think he's about six years old. Six years old. Uh, he was he had a he had a tumor on his spleen and we didn't know he had a tumor on his spleen and his the tumor got big enough and it ruptured his spleen. And one day dad well you can tell the story. I've been talking too long. Yeah, well, he uh you know, he's he follows me everywhere I go and goes to all the sites and you know, he's always running. That's why he's fit. Uh, and, uh, one day he didn't want to run, you know, he kind of lollygagged up there, which is unusual for him. And the next day, uh, I got up to go out and he didn't follow me. He laid in the garage and I knew that something was wrong. So I called the vet and, uh, he had just been to the vet about two weeks before that because he'd been kind of laying around and they thought he had a bit of an infection of some kind put him on an antibiotic seemed to feel a lot better um but anyway they sent me to an animal like an animal urgent care in iowa city and uh they did an ultrasound and he his abdomen was full of blood and uh they figured out it was coming from his spleen from his spleen and uh, it was it was basically a tumor. They weren't sure if it was cancerous or if it was benign, and the only way you would know is to do surgery and then send it in and all that, and the odds of um, making it through that surgery was not very good, and so we made the decision uh, to put him to sleep, and that was a lot harder than what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah, I would say that too. That was... I did not expect to be as sad about that as I was, but there's a lot of there's a lot of companionship and friendship with a dog that follows you around the farm. That everywhere you go, he's just there. Even though he doesn't do everything with you, he's there no matter what. If he's laying there, or if he's up in with you, or whatever. So 
It's been, it was a tough last week, but we're moving forward. We're probably going to get another dad. We'll probably, well, we got another dog because of some other circumstance, but we're not going to go down that whole road. But dad will probably get another dog too, because it doesn't hurt to have too many farm dogs on, right. on the farm. But anyway, before we get into all the hot topics, we got a market update. But before we get into that, pay the fee, guys. If you get any value from the show, related to us on something, laughed at something, um, whatever, share the show. Friends, family, coworkers, employees, whoever. Um, it really, really helps us out, and we appreciate every single one of you that have been doing that. Also, leave a review on Spotify or Apple. I think we're up to 400 Spotify five-star reviews so really appreciate that and then 175 on apple so we're growing slowly but surely and we appreciate every single one of you again for doing that it really really does help us a lot out a lot and the more reviews the more you share the show the more viewership we get the better guests we can have on and the better content we can create for you guys so it just helps everybody out you ready for uh, to give your special market update we haven't had in a while it feels we like had a market update in quite a while um and around here i'd say harvest is really except for the really big operators that are going to be you know run until mid-november um pretty much everybody else is done and i would say yields around here have been kind of all over the board our yields were actually way better than what we thought they were going to be uh, it just a testimony to how good the hybrids are today as far as drought tolerance. But I think the most interesting thing that we saw in our fields was that tile pays. Tile pays whether it's wet or whether it's dry. And it also hurts you not having it because the way our farm is set up, we pretty much have three three. 100 plus acre fields uh, is how we run everything today. And we have one of those fields that's pattern tiled, one of those fields that is very well tiled. Uh, I wouldn't say it's pattern tiled, but it's very well tiled out. And one that is very poorly tiled. And my corn on corn grounds, so in other words, the ground that we've planted corn two years in a row did phenomenal this year. Um, in fact, it did as well as as what the yield was last year on that same piece of ground where it was where it had been beans going to corn but our field that was corn following soybeans um, it was not as good as what the corn on corn ground was which is unusual and the only reason that i can really attribute that is that that ground you could tell on the yield monitor, you could tell where the wet spots typically are, and those spots were still much poorer than the rest of the field. And the reason, the only reason I can uh, figure on that is that in the spring when we planted, those areas probably weren't quite uh, as dry, and that corn probably started out with wet feet, and then when it got dry, that ground's real heavy and probably not as much oxygen in the soil. And I mean, I don't know, I'm speculating, but that was very surprising to me. Um, hybrid selection was really important this year because I know guys that, you know, planted two different numbers, half and half in their planter. And I've seen K 
cases or heard of cases where 50 bushel difference between two numbers in the same field, one just having better drought tolerance than the other one. Um, and you don't have to go very far southwest of us, and yields are not good, um, and soil type made a huge difference in that. And you go north of us, northern Iowa, some of the best yields they've ever had, um, and even 30 miles north of us where they weren't near as dry as we are, yields were fantastic. So overall, very, very good harvest season. Um, and you're starting to see that play into the basis levels. Uh, the elevators, their basis is getting wider. Um, livestock feeders around here are still holding pretty good on their on their basis, but I think even some of them are starting to get filled up, and they're starting to back off a little bit. Um, last time I looked, corn locally was the best bid I could find was six seventy five, and that was that's five cents, five or six cents lower than where it was yesterday. And I think the market was down today, so my my bid price six eighty five, that was earlier today, and I I'm not sure if it held that price or whether it uh, fell off. And that was on the board. Yeah, on the board. <clears throat> um, soybeans thirteen fifteen at the river, and the last time we did a market update, they were fourteen. I want to say fourteen sixty. So they've lost a dollar off of their off their price, but the the board's lost that much too. Thirteen eighty two on the board today. Bean mail four fifteen four hundred and fifteen dollars a ton. Uh, wheat eight forty eight. Hogs eighty seven dollars. I just cannot believe how this hog market just stays so poor. I guess the only the only because demand is good. Uh, hog numbers around the world are down, and China is going to be a huge importer of pork, um, and we're going to get into that later when we're talking about China. But the only, I guess, silver lining is when you look out to June, June and July futures are both over $100, $104 for both June and July. So there is light at the end of the tunnel, but it's a while. It's a ways out. Cattle are $150 or buck fifty a pound. Um Oil eighty nine dollars hasn't really changed much. Um, I I think demand is not. I don't think demand's as strong as what everybody thought it was going to be, and also demand destruction hasn't hasn't. I don't know. It hasn't happened the way everybody thought it was going to because oil just doesn't seem to do much. Tesla two hundred twenty six dollars a share. There's all kinds of news about that. Um, Bitcoin is. 20,000 and change. Uh, I think it was about 20,500. It was up almost 21,000. Um, but it's it's been down 19, 18,000. It's got a little strength right here. Uh, Ethereum's 1500, which is pretty strong for them. Cardano 40 cents. Gold 1667. Everybody's buying the dollar. Um, precious metals, Bitcoin, silver not getting not getting the traction that a lot of people think that they would in times of uncertainty. Everybody's flocking to the dollar. Um, the dollar is the strongest it's been in a long time. Silver, 1950. So um, a lot of uncertainty. But, oh, I, I did want to say this too. The, the barge traffic on not only the Mississippi River, but um, the Ohio River, that's coming into a play, coming into play in a lot of places. I heard that the basis level for corn at river terminals on the Ohio was over a dollar because they can't float barges 
Um, either they can't float them over half full or they've only got half as many as what they normally have because the river's so low. And the Mississippi's got problems with barge traffic too as far as that goes. And so that's if we don't get rain, um, that's going to get to be a bigger and bigger problem for people that are trying to ship. So that's my two cents on the That was a update. damn good market update. It was needed, Woo. though. Yeah, take a breath there. Get a drink of water. I think I will. So we're going to get into the topics now. Hot, hot topics. It's about to get blazing hot in here. All Hope. I want to do when you say that is I want to do hot topics. Hot, hot topics. Yeah, I like it. We could Lift do that. We need to get somebody to make a little topics. sound sound effect for us. Maybe we get us. Claire. Maybe we get Claire to do a bit for us. And sing. Hot topics. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, we should do that from now on. So we're going to get into hot topics. All right, so we're going to start with Ann Coulter's comment. If any of y'all saw Ann Coulter's comment on, on Twitter, uh, bashing farmers, it was a really shitty comment, and I'll go ahead and just read it. Uh, but pretty much who she is is she's kind of a political personality that goes on Fox News a lot, so she is conservative and just you know talks and talks and talks. But she, had a, she put out a tweet the other day. Uh, she was like subtweeting to a picture of somebody that was shooting a picture, a painting of a field with workers working in there being farmers, you know. And she said, if farmers ran the world, we'd still be sweeping instead of vacuuming and washing our clothes in rivers instead of washing machines. Why should Americans be forced to subsidize this one industry's refusal to move into the 1900s? What a fucking shitty ass comment that was. Yeah, um, my reaction to that was that that was kind of surprising because I thought her to be a little more savvy than that. And I guess that is just, that's just reinforcement that really, no matter what side of the political aisle, most of these people on inside the beltway of, of politics and on the East Coast, um, they are so far removed from reality that they don't understand much about how the world works. Um, they like to lecture people about uh, politics and uh, propaganda, I guess, but apparently she doesn't understand much about modern-day agriculture. Yeah, she doesn't seem to value it very much either or the people behind it. I mean, that's the sad thing. It's, it's, it's unbelievable to me that she can sit up there and say that, and there's more and more farmers out there just posting about their lives. And if you watch any farmer on social media or go and see a farm operation today, it pretty quick you'll realize we're a lot more techie than people give us credit for. Yeah. I mean, all of our hog barns got technology. These tractors can practically drive themselves nowadays. The combines can drive themselves. But, you know, it's... And then it's just crazy to me that she's so removed from just reality of what an average... Like, the far, like farming communities like this, she just has no idea. Yeah. She has no idea. And the other thing that was really surprising to me is that she's perceived to be conservative and... To really go after, I would say, what is traditionally a pretty conservative base within the Republican Party is ag. That just shows you what little 
Well, what blatant disregard she has for that group of people. I mean, it it's too bad. Um, and I think I think she probably realizes now um, with the amount of backlash that's come from it. Um, you know, Millennial commented on it, and I saw I saw Shay's tweet about it or his his Video. Instagram post about it, mm-hmm. and that's just one of many. Um, she probably, you know, she probably knows, but I think it's just a little window into that group of political pundits, how little regard they give to the average American. Yeah, that was my thing. That was what I was kind of trying to get at. It's like, it just made it seem like she has no perspective of what average real Americans go through. Yeah. Like if you're just disregarding ag and think we're just stupid and we're stuck in the 1800s and we're not... We're not even in the 1900s. It's like you, you've lost your fucking mind. You have no idea. You've never visited. It's like, it makes me think you've never visited a farm. You don't know any farmers. You've never talked with farmers. You've never sat down. You've never been, you just have never even tried or attempted to even see what we do. And obviously you don't value a safe, secure, and uh, relatively cheap food supply. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> it goes to show you so many people just take that for granted. Like, we've never had to starve in this country. Or it has been a very long time where we've had, ever had to starve. You know, we've never had, uh, what do you call that? Uh, a famine. A famine. Yeah, yeah, we've never had famine here in the United States. So, it's sad. It pisses me off, and I know it pissed a lot of other farmers off. It was just stupid, and she needs to do, she needs to come over to this will do farm. We'll show you what what the fuck we got going here so you can we can modernize you i feel like i need an apology yeah my feelings are hurt <laughs> where's the snowflake hat yeah i need one i need one right I now i need an apology i need an apology too so do all shame my shame you know your name man speaking of politics and and politicians that make you angry the midterm elections are close at hand so uh november 8th so we'll say this again but your vote does count, and uh, don't stay home on the 8th of November. I always like to tell people, uh, vote early and vote often. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's going to be interesting. Uh, there's all kinds of, you know, the rhetoric's flying. I somehow, and I don't know how this happened, but somehow my old email account has gotten associated somehow with the Democratic Party. Because I oh, it's probably all the tech, all the tech uh, companies out there have all your information, and oh, not saying they're all not saying they're bought by the left. I don't want to put on my tinfoil hat, right? And I already got my snowflake hat on. I don't want to put a tinfoil on too. But but the amount that's a bit odd. The amount of email that I've gotten for Mark Kelly in Arizona, for the guy that's running against DeSantis, for uh, the guy running against. Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania. Holy shit. <laughs> Fetterman? To, to go it? off subject, but if any of you have been looking at Twitter or Instagram or anything, that guy's debate skills are trash. Terrible. Holy well, shit. I think even the Democratic Party. Holy crap. They're, they're like, oh, they're, I think they're throwing in the hat. <laughs> Holy crap. So did he get elected? No, no. He, he's, he's, 
He's running. He and Doctor Oz are running for yes. that seat. So is he any? Has he been in politics at all before this? I I don't know, but I'm a. I think that's an open seat. I think they're both running <sighs> for an open seat. He's yeah. Correct us in the comments if you're wrong. Bad. I'm not really up on Pennsylvania politics. We're not. That's not a hot topic well, I hope today. He's not actually in. Yeah, I don't. I hope. I hope he's not actually in office because I know he doesn't seem. Although I mean, I'll just look him up. He's mildly, he's mildly higher functioning than than Uncle Joe. So True. I mean, it's possible. But um, yeah, so somehow I've gotten on the list for all these people, and I get these, you know, these cries for five dollars, ten dollars, a hundred dollars, whatever you can send, because we gotta we gotta defeat these people, and I'm looking forward to all that coming to a halt. But I think that the Democrats have kind of they've kind of surrendered the high ground in that. They're setting it up that they're probably not going to win. Now, they're not going to just come out and say, but it sure feels like we're headed for definitely a Republican House. And I think the odds of the Republicans gaining the Senate, too, are pretty great. And one thing I want you all to watch for, because I think this is guaranteed going to happen, you have seen the denial of the problems with the economy by the current administration and your current crop of politicians that it's all fine, it's all fine, we're okay, we're okay, it's going to be fine, it's going to be fine. If that election does not go their way and Republicans sweep the House and Senate, get ready because on the day after, the media machine is going to spool up and every day, the Democrats are going to tell you how bad the economy is and how Joe Biden would fix it, except the Republicans have the, con- have, they the have the power and it's all on them. And it's their it's their fault. It's their policies. It's they they're holding the economy hostage. And poor Joe is just along for the ride. Yeah, well, we've already seen a couple examples of Biden pretty much you know singling out republican the republican party it's the republicans fault already he's doing that so i wouldn't put it past them at all that if it does happen and it doesn't go their way not only will the media do it but he's going to do it as well and the media will agree with him oh they'll run blast it everywhere they're just going to beat that like a drum the only thing that i can see that the uh, democrats have been running on the ads that i've been seeing on you know tv or whatever streaming platform you watch stuff on it's all just been, a, they've been running on abortion, running on abortion, running on abortion. That's literally, a, that's about all the Democratic ads I've been seeing. And it's funny because we talked about that earlier in an earlier podcast. If they really gave a shit about abortion, they have the power right now to change the law. But why don't they you change it? You have the it? House, you have the Senate, you have the presidency. If abortion is that important to you, put out a bill that you can get swing uh fringe republicans to vote for i mean you have the majority why don't you fix it but you don't want to fix it because if you fixed it you couldn't fundraise on it and that's all they want to do is fundraise on it and the sooner people in this country realize that issues like that are only important to politicians because they can raise money on them they're not really interested in fixing them It's kind of like the border, and I will say 
that that is a big issue in your in your in the Southwest. Um, you see Carrie Lake running in that's her name, isn't it? Carrie Lake in uh, Arizona. She's she, she's pretty sharp, um, but you really question on both sides that immigration uh, problem has been kicked down the road from one administration to another, back and forth, back and forth, and they've both used it as a wedge basically to raise money. They don't have any desire to fix it. We talked about that when Shay was here. And, I mean, I think I think it's coming to a head enough that I feel like there's pressure to fix it, but it's just it's a lot like abortion. And abortion, I feel like that... If there really was the pressure to do something about it, I think the Democrats would do it, but they don't want to. They want to raise, they want they want to have that issue to go after Republicans on because they want to play scare politics. And that's mm-hmm. what they're doing 100%. They want to scare the public into for, to vote for them. And what they always say is, you know, like I remember when that first got passed, it was like no abortion's going to be illegal everywhere. In all 50 states, that was like what they were saying is like abortion is going to be illegal everywhere when it's just giving the states the power to choose what the abortion well, laws are. Well, have you seen the ad? And it's like, they, that's literally scare tactics. There's no facts behind that. You're literally just scaring people to vote your way. That's have what you you're doing. Have you seen that ad from that? Uh, is, it a, is it a senator from California? Probably. That's got a, he's got an ad out where uh, uh, family's having, a, having supper and the police come and arrest the mother and take her away because they she aborted him. She aborted had an abortion, and they arrested her doctor. Now then, they're arresting her, and the kids are crying, and the husband's like, "What's going on?" And she's pleading with them, and they're the cops are like, "We're just doing our job." And I mean, it is like, and it's he's from California. I can't remember what the guy's name is, but it's got good production values, and it's a hundred percent just. Scare, scare tactics. tactics. Yeah, so John Fetterman, he is he has served as the 34th Lieutenant Governor of Pennsylvania since 2019. Oh, wow. And uh, he was the mayor of Braddock from 2006 to 2019. So he's okay. a career politician, so a little he's bit. he's the Lieutenant Governor now. Yeah. And he's running for this position. Yeah. And he had a stroke. He had a medical issue. I think he had a stroke. I don't know if he and did or not. he's not doing very well. And uh, I think... I well, then now I kind of feel a little bit bad because his debating skills were so terrible, and I think a lot of people are giving him a lot of shit, but I didn't see anything that was off with the debate as far as medical problems. It was just pure just like, incompetence good. and just not yeah. be able to fire back, but yeah. holy shit, it was bad. But he sounds like he's a politician through and through. Yeah, he's trying absolutely. to just stay into the game. Um, all I'll say about the midterms is... Guys, vote for people that say they're not going to take any freaking money from the establishment and that are for the people, by the people. You know, that's what we need. We need real Americans that have done real shit that are running because they feel like it's their obligation and they're not going to take a fucking dollar from any of these elite pieces of crap that are trying trying to get them to vote on a bill this way or that way. Yeah, to buy their vote. We got to get people, we got to get those kind of politicians out. We got to get those people out. We got to get real Americans in that know what we go through every single day that really are for the people and that have lived with the people and that haven't been a career politician their whole entire lives. 
And if you, uh, if you wonder, gee, where do we find those kind of people? A great podcast for you to listen to would be the one where Tulsi Gabbard is on Joe Rogan. Yep. And she explains what happened after Ross Perot ran for president and why today it is almost impossible. It is impossible. I mean, mm, it's just it not is. possible. It is impossible. They change the it's way impossible. Yeah. they do it. That an independent candidate cannot ever run. make it. No. She talks about that and... Um, Great, great podcast. It, it really does show you the corruptness that is inside politics and just in the military industrial complex, all of it. It really goes in depth on all that stuff. And yeah, Tulsi Gabbard has gone independent. She's going to be independent now. She's gone away from the Democratic Party. She's fed up with their woke bullshit. She thinks they're too left. And I, I absolutely love the woman. I think she has, she is, she is forward thinking. She hasn't lost her fucking mind and she's, for the people, by the people. She's done some real shit. She's a veteran. And I think she'd be a great presidential presidential candidate or a vice president. Um, she's not going to run. But she's not going to run because, yeah, let's talk about it a little bit. So who was the guy that ran while when Clinton was running? He was the independent. Bush. Wasn't it Bush? Ross Perot? Ross Perot, yeah. He was running. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, he was running, and none of them invited him to the debate, the debate stage. Both parties ganged up and said, we're not inviting him to the debate stage because the debate stage or the debates is venues, a private, the, the venues or whatever, they're a private institution. So it, they don't need to invite him if they don't want him there. So they didn't invite him. So he had no chance to talk to the American people. And this time it was what, 2000 and hell, I don't know. It was in the early 2000s. So social media wasn't as big as it is now. So right. for him to get his voice out, you had to go on to those debates or not. So they didn't invite him. So both parties ganged up and said, screw you. You're not, we don't want you. And then they passed a bill that said, if you're going to run as an independent and let's say you get a shitload of votes in Texas, let's say you get 60% of the votes in Texas. You don't play in the electoral college. You just get 60% of the votes casted your way yeah. you don't win the state you have to get a hundred percent yeah to win the state to get yeah like you go by votes. votes you go by votes not the state yeah because the way it is today is this right uh correct me if i'm wrong so in different states are different ways but if you win the majority of votes you get if you get 60 percent of the vote and you're the you're the democrat you get all of the electoral, yeah, electoral votes, college, the electoral votes. college. Yeah. So it, it's an all or nothing deal. Yeah. But if you're an independent, just getting a simple majority does not give you those votes. No. You have to be. You have to have a super majority. You have to get a greater percentage than either one of the other candidates. Uh, no, that's not even right. You have to get all of them, don't you? Yeah. Pretty I sure. I don't know, but it's 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 messed well up because that, it makes it so it's pretty much impossible to run as an independent, and that's something else we could talk about. You know, the two party system to me is so stupid because we've been there's so much corruption on both sides, and I feel like there's so many people that are middle in the road, just like Tulsi Gabbard is. If you don't know her at all, I recommend looking into her, watching some interviews with her. Uh, what she did to Kamal Harris on the debate stage was awesome. Um, you know, she's, she's just an independent and those are the kind of people that, that are middle of the road that I think this country needs. She's a patriot. She's middle of the road. She doesn't care who you are, what race you are, who you want to, who you want to sleep with all that, like most Americans are, but she has some really good ideas as far as 
how to how to get the corruption out of politics. Um, good things for the economy. You know, she's not like woke as shit. So it's like we need more people like her. So, so uh, we don't have her to vote for. No, we so don't. Wherever you're listening to us, wherever you're viewing us, uh, make sure you show up on the eighth. Vote for vote your conscience. Vote for the people that you think are have your best interest in mind. And have uh, the best interest in mind of the country. Yeah. Seriously. We got to get this shit under control. <laughs> yeah. We got to get this shit under control. Vote for people that are for Americans. Don't vote on what they say they're going to do. Vote on if they're real Americans that are for the American people that aren't going to take a dime. Those are the people you need to be voting for. I think it's Ron. I think it's a Ronald Reagan quote that he said that uh, the problem with communism is that you can vote your way in, but then you have to shoot your way out. Yeah. And uh, so, speaking of that, or you want to talk about China or Russia? Well, I guess we, we can talk. Well, we got mortgage rates, but oh, we you can, want to talk about that first? We can do whatever. Let's go. Let's go to. Let's go to Russia. Yeah, let's you go. go Russia. You know, you know the Russia deal better than I do. But all I know is, if you listen to the Rogan podcast with Tulsi, she's got some real concerns about that nuclear warfare shit. Yeah, she does. She does. She really does. It's it's something that I don't think a lot of us are really like given a lot of thought to, but it's it's a serious thing. If we don't go in there and get this thing resolved, some real shit can go down, and that, that could affect us in a really, really bad way. So yeah, that's all I'll say about it. Yeah, so I think we're a really, a really weird place in history that when we look back just a couple years ahead, I don't know what people will think about it because... I feel like the timeline of Russia's kind of demise in the world has really sped up by um, what's going on in Ukraine, but also what's going on in the world on the world stage. Um, so most of southern Ukraine is kind of under a media blackout uh, by the Ukrainian government. They're basically trying to push the Russians. Over there's a river, um, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce all the towns. Um, I think it's Kursk or Kirsan, Kirsan, something like that. There, I just did it, and I shouldn't have done it. But um, <laughs> that's been like that has been like power base for the Russians, and it's very critical not only to them holding on that part of the country, but there's a dam. There's a dam on that river, and out of it, it diverts water that goes to Crimea. And the Russians took Crimea, uh, I don't know, like a decade ago. And without that water flowing to Crimea, there's no crop. Because that land is only... You can only grow a crop there if it's irrigated, and the only way you get water irrigated is from that, from the flow of water that comes from that river. And if the Ukrainians control it, their first thing they're going to do is shut that off, guaranteed, which Russia gets a lot of wheat out of that area. Um, and so that's a big issue for them, but they've got a logistical nightmare. Um, I think we might have talked about this. The bridge that goes from Russia into Crimea 
was open like five years ago, and before that, the only way they got goods through, uh, I th- I'm assuming that's the Black Sea, is by ferry, and they built this bridge, and it was a big deal, and uh, it got blown up. Not 100%, but uh, rail service, they don't have rail service, and I The think demo only- job wasn't as good on the bridge as it was for the, the, pipe, the pipeline. Yeah, exactly right, exactly right. <laughs> Um, so <laughs> Ukraine's maybe didn't blow up the the pipeline then. I don't maybe think Ukraine blew up that pipeline because I don't think that <laughs> some I, somebody did. I don't know. Somebody nobody knows who, but somebody did and did a hell of a job. If you've seen the pictures of it, because there's like nothing left when that happened. But that's a whole different story. So uh, a lot, a lot is at play there, and all of these Russian conscripts. So. There was originally going to be like 300,000, there was a draft uh, conscription that started in Russia, and we talked about that a while ago, Um, and originally it was going to be like 300,000, and I I think that number's grown, it's like a half a million troops that they've called up, and they're sending these kids to the front, or these people to the front, and the problem they have now is they're poorly trained and there's no leadership, and... It's not going well, and the corruption within the Russian government up and down through the military has really come to light, and you're seeing it um, because of the failures in their equipment, the failures in their logistics, the failures in their training. Um, there was, a, there was a, a fighter jet that crashed, Originally, they thought it was shot down, but it wasn't shot down, and it was one of Russia's uh, most advanced fighter jets, and it crashed because the tank that held liquid oxygen for the pilot, they believe now it got filled with liquid nitrogen, and the pilot literally passed out and was asleep when the plane crashed. (laughs) <laughs> and it was because whoever was doing the pre-flight on it didn't know what the hell they were doing. That story came out last week. Now, I mean, you're relying on, I don't know how many levels that is, so, you know, take it for what it's worth. But the stories of, you know, the level of maintenance that isn't done, the problems they've had with replacement parts, the problems they've had with getting supplies to the front, it's all coming home to roost. And... Vladimir Putin is down to, there's really only about six people within the Russian government that he trusts, and three of those people are old KGB people that he came from, and the other three are Russian mobsters, pretty much. Because when you think about how they keep control of that country, they pretty much use the KGB, and the people they can't control using the KGB are people that are tied to the Russian mob. So that's who they're tight with. Because if you have those two groups in your camp, you can pretty much keep everybody under your thumb. And that's what they've done. But that's not exactly the most... Um, good exactly, group. Good sc- scheming group. Yeah, and I wouldn't exactly call it a brain trust. <laughs> There's not a, probably a lot of different point of views coming from them guys. It's probably all the same ideas. Exactly. <laughs> And so what Tulsi Gabbard is talking about is nobody really knows 
if Vladimir Putin is pushed in a corner, and if it looks like that this deal in Ukraine is utterly collapsing, which we're very close, if the Ukrainians push across the river, I'd say we're very close to that. In fact, it may already be happening. There's not really any place beyond that for the Russians to fall back, regroup. Like, there is, but people aren't sure whether they'll be able to do it or not. Like, the war literally may be done, which, if that happens, is an amazing feat by the Ukrainians. But it's also as much Russia's failure as it is Ukraine's victory, because that was always Russia's war to lose if they would have been able to execute. But they've done so many things wrong, and they're in such poor management top to bottom of their military that it really is as much a failure of, of theirs. But her point was, if pushed in a corner, what is he going to do? What is the Russian government going to do? Yeah, are they going to sit? I mean, like, that's that's the thing that's scary. Like, he seems like the type of guy that is not going to just get on his knees and surrender and say, yeah, I'm going to lose the Russia that I've always dreamed of wanting to have. Yeah, you know, then, you know there's rumors. And he, he, it's just like we talked about last uh, Hot Topics. He knows the United States was in Ukraine trying to flip it into a pro-Western uh, country, and he knows that, and he hates He's pissed off. He's probably pissed off at Ukraine 1, but us too. And so if we don't, if we don't go in there and try to resolve this thing when he knows that he's defeated, there could be, yeah, there could be some nuclear war, but it goes back to what you said. What if the, do the fucking even silos even work? I mean, <laughs> I mean do the warheads even, do the nukes even make it out of the silos? I well, mean, people, are the people in charge at all the levels of the military willing to go down that road? Because if they do, they know at every level they know what it means. And it's, you know, people were very afraid. You you backed the clock up, what, three, four years ago. People were awful worried about uh, North Korea. Well, Vladimir Putin, his Russia is, if you were worried about North Korea, then you probably can't sleep at night over what could happen with Russia. I mean, it's a... So I don't know what the answer is, but it's definitely something that we need to watch. And... The other side of it is, I think there's never been an administration running the, the United States of America that probably is more inept when it comes to foreign policy than what the Biden administration has been. I, yeah. I, that's kind of opinion. I would, I mean, I don't know, but they, I don't feel like they're handling it very well. I feel like they're playing this. Well, I don't. I feel like the military-industrial complex is playing this this game where they're trying to make as much money as they can. But on the same the same side of that, they they are they're dipping their toe in the water a little bit. You know, they're trying to see what that what that limit is of how much can we get away with, how much can we how much can we give the Ukrainians and without Russia retaliating and doing some you know mass destruction. You know, I think that's something to really watch and. I don't know what the answer is either, but I think also something that's a little scary here in the United States, and, you know, we don't really have infrastructure for a nuclear war. I mean, 
you look, I'm blessed to live in the Midwest, but if you're somebody living on the West or East coast, I saw a, a, a video, uh, some New York, some New York media team put out a, a video or I, I don't know. I saw this video out there somewhere and it was pretty much this lady talking about what to do if a nuke, a, a nuke goes off in New York city, or if we're, if we're going to be under attack in New York city. And it was pretty much go into the middle of the building Get away from windows. Don't go onto the ground floor. Stay inside and just wait until you hear from your local officials on what what to do. That was the plan if a nuclear if we ever had a threat of a nuke dropping in a major city. And that was coming from New York. That was what the video was about. And That's kind of disturbing. It, it was disturbing. Yeah, it was disturbing that was because a public the public service announcement. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that what was, that was put out by I think like New York Health Department. Yeah, see, I didn't know where it was. I just saw the video, and the lady's just smiling like, yeah, so if a fucking nuke drops in New York City, I'm going to be good because I'm in a skyscraper, and I'm just standing in the middle of the building, so I ought to be all right, right? I, I'm not away. I'm away from windows, so I should be good, right? Like, there's just no infrastructure. We got, Like, there's no infrastructure. There's nobody that has a plan, and like I said, I'm, I'm glad to, to know that I live in the Midwest. Nope. Don't you feel like though that was that was on the line of ignorance is bliss? Because yeah. let's face it, if you're in New York City and some some bad actor around the world gets a nuke to New York City, there's no place to go. Yeah. There is no place safe in New York City. You no. are probably subway. I, I I if you could get to the subway, you might stand a chance of making it through. Other but, than that, yeah. So you might as well tell everybody just act like it's a tornado. Ask, act like it's a an Oklahoma tornado. You know, get out <laughs> of your trailer and get into the storm shelter. Get to a get to a bathroom because yeah. what are you going to tell people? Yeah. Because at, if if the threat of if the threat of this whole thing escalating gets higher, that's going to be a conversation that starts happening, and. People that can think for themselves are going to realize how screwed they are. And if your local governments are that stupid, well, all you could, you, there's, you're screwed. You, you, and you can't go out and put out a public service now that says, if New York City gets hit by a, nor- by a nuke, you're screwed. And uh, just, you know, hold Hug your, your loved ones yeah. close because it's, you're done. Yeah. Well, they can't say that. So they say, you know, they say all this crap about, well, get to an interior room, get down under a table, and, you know, we'll, when the sirens quit going off, oh, it's okay, come out, whatever. They're not going to tell them the truth. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you, let's face it. If you're on the East Coast, nobody's been telling you the truth for the last 20 years, so why should they start now? It's, if it escalates and continues to, it's something that more and more Americans are going to get vocal about because... Y- we got to get that if if they don't if Ukraine and Russia don't figure it out, we have got to step in and figure it out. We have got to go in there and say, "Look, this is what we're going to do to solve this shit." Well, and you have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. Um we don't have any idea what level of communication there is. I think at the end of the day, Everybody within governments around the world, nobody wants that to happen. And there's probably a love. I mean, I'm just trying, here I am trying to bring rational thinking into, you know, politics. But 
you would assume there would be some level of cooperation amongst countries around the world, even some that probably we don't have a good relationship with and Russia probably has a better relationship with that know the ramifications if Putin goes off the rails that probably would be uh, helpful in making sure that that last step doesn't happen. Yeah, and we're also underestimating what military technology do we have here in America? Can we re- can a nuke really come down and hit New York City? Like, would we do we? We're, you're telling me we can't shoot a nuke, in, in, at, you know, out of the out of the sky? It's gonna hit. I don't know. I, I don't know either. But I it, it, I feel like we probably got something. We got something we're cooking up that we could shoot a something. nuke out of the sky or something. I mean, shit. I don't that's feel like they've good, let it hit. If you were in the health department in New York City, that's a better message than yeah, get to interior room. Just be like, just if you're gonna lie, just lie about yeah, that. Just be like worried about nukes. <laughs> Don't worry. We got something. We got lasers on every fucking skyscraper. No, you don't even have to. You say, we got to have something. <laughs> yeah. That'll be fine. We got to have something. Yeah. What me? Worry? Yeah. The only thing that I can say about that is I'm, if they nuke the East Coast, that's going to be a bad deal. Or West Coast, going to be a bad deal. We're going to have a lot of people that are going to be injured, you know, killed. A lot of people are going to migrate into the Midwest. It's going to make everything a shit storm here in the Midwest or in, and in the South. But the worst thing that could happen is the Midwest get nuked. Because of the food supply. Because food's gone, y'all. You better just, uh, I don't even, you're screwed. You're absolutely screwed. And and the East Coast and West Coast are going to be looking for the trucks. And they're going to be go like, well, where's our food coming? What's, what's happening? We're not, why is, why is there no food Send on Send Huey. Yeah. Send Huey out there with the crickets. Yeah. We'll all be eating them crickets. Because them crickets, they've survived a lot. Yeah, they got the protein in them. Yep. Yeah, so let's hope that never happens either. But yeah. Anyway, to wrap it all up, it's getting to a point where Putin might go off the rails, and if we don't get our shit together and get in there and get a solution, some bad shit could happen. So be watching it, and don't just be a la-la land thinking that nuclear warfare might not, might, will never happen here in the United States, because it, it could happen, and there's a real threat that speaking, could have it happen. Speaking of, speaking of bad, bad political situations, you want to talk about the chai comms? I don't know shit about that. I'm going to talk about mortgage rates because I know more about that than the China thing. I know a little bit about the China thing, but I don't even know how to pronounce the Chinese Chinese president's name. Xi. 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 That's how you pronounce it, I guess. Well, okay, I guess I can go into it. Xi has been uh, pretty much officially been ruled dictator for life. Well, he got elect. He got elected. Air quote elected to his third term. And a, a lot of you may have seen this clip of an, an older an older Chinese gentleman being escorted out of this room past the the leader of China and kind of tapping him on the shoulder, giving him that look like, what, what the hell is going on? Well, that guy, he was the former leader of the Communist Party before Xi was elected. Um and since he was elected, he has consolidated power. So when I talked, when I said that Vladimir Putin pretty much has maybe six people around him that he uh, gets congregates together, that he gets his advice from. Hell of a thought thought pool there. Well, that's six times greater than than G because he doesn't trust anybody, and anybody that has given him a consenting idea. Uh, is either out of the government or in or, the river or isn't, yeah, is not breathing or not on <laughs> planet Earth. I mean, he's pretty much gotten rid of anybody 
that disagrees with anything he says to the point that he is a one-man show and he doesn't have anybody giving him advice or if they are giving him advice, they're giving him the advice that, that they think that he wants. And so that guy, that guy that was kicked out, he was kind of the last person that was close to him that had a little bit of um, influence influence with him that was an alternative point of view. And they paraded him out. And basically, that was a symbol to the rest of the world because my understanding is that that clip really wasn't shown in China, but it was shown to the rest of the world because he wanted everybody to know that he is the end-all, be-all. And yes, it's his third term, but my understanding is that the way the way the the voting was and the the amendments that were put forth, he's going to be dictator for life uh, unless you know somebody overthrows him or offs him or whatever, which is very unlikely. But there is a lot of trouble brewing there, um, and this is where it comes back to agriculture because uh, Todd Thurman. Uh, a guy that I know, follow on LinkedIn, he put this story on the other night about, what, what I, what's it called? Zhang Bang? Zhang Bang. Zhang Bang uh, company, group. Zhang Bang Group. And they are, they are in the top three pork producers in China and in the top five pork producers in the world. And they basically filed for bankruptcy. Now, there's some, there's some back and forth on this because the original story, I think, for this was actually published in March. Somebody commented. But then uh, somebody else put forward a, a clip that a Chinese judge ruled that the, the bankruptcy proceedings could move forward, and that was much more recent. But the interesting part about it was that over the last year, they've lost $21 billion, the equivalent of $21 billion U.S. Uh, in their hog operations, and they've got over a million sows. And the government has been pushing this large integration, not just in the swine industry, but pretty much in all of agriculture, because it's a way for them to keep more direct control upon um, these major industries is by having fewer and fewer players. In China. In China. But the hog business is not doing well in China. The sow, the number of sows have dropped. The government keeps releasing more pork. So we have a strategic petroleum reserve. The Chinese have a strategic pork reserve. So they keep this huge stockpile of meat in cold storage frozen in case there's a need for it because they're... Famine is a much uh, more recent problem than it is here, and they people that are well-fed are a lot easier to control, so they want to make sure that everybody stays well-fed. So they've been releasing pork from this, from this reserve because production's down, sow numbers are down, um, the price has been fluctuating wildly. Right now, the price is very high, so the people that actually have managed to stay in business have sows, they're making quite a bit of money. Feed costs are high, but they're making a lot of money. But the amount of money that has been lost over the last two years is staggering. And my point to all of this and my reply to what Todd put on there is 
a lot of people don't realize that the housing market in China has collapsed so, so heavily that a lot of these banks, they have all their money tied up in mortgages and development loans to these companies that now don't have enough money to complete projects, which in turn means that houses aren't getting built. And I think a lot of people don't understand this because I didn't know it, but in China, buying a house is a big deal. I mean, it's a big deal here, but there, it's like, it's kind of like kids going to college. There's generations of people over there that, so their kids are the first in their family to ever be able to afford to buy a house. Or build a house. Or build a house. But the process is much different than it is here in the fact that when you go and get a mortgage for a house, that house isn't even built yet. You get the mortgage and you start paying the mortgage before the house is even built. And sometimes you pay that mortgage for two, three, four, five years. So there's like a five-year backlog before you actually get this house that you've been paying for. Well, the problem is that you've got when Evergrande, Evergrande was this huge development company. They went bankrupt. The chain reaction of that is you have all of these contractors and development companies and land companies, and you go down the list, that in turn are losing their ass and they can't finish projects. And so you have people now that are at the end of their, they've been paying this mortgage and you know, they thought this house they were going to buy was going to be ready next year. And they realize that the company that's building their house is out of business or is bankrupt and nobody's showing up on these sites. Nothing's getting done. So they're going to the bank and they're protesting and they want to get out of their mortgage. Well, the bank doesn't have any money because they've been loaning all the money they've been paying to these developers and to these companies. And the local governments, the, the state governments, their money comes from property taxes and from the kickbacks that they get when these houses are developed because they sell the land to these developers. And a lot of times they sell the land very cheaply to the developers because it's all part of the plan to employ as many people as possible. So they sell the land cheaply, and when the houses are developed, they get, a, they get a kickback, and then they get that mortgage, they get that property tax, they get all that money. So banks are coming out so, nice when it works. When it works. But now then you got the banks. The banks got no money. Your government's got no money. Developers and out the of developers business. developers are broke. And the citizens are pissed. And the citizens are pissed. Okay, how that relates back to this business, this hog business that went bankrupt. Chang Pang. Chang Bang. Chang Bang. Chang Bang group. My theory, and this is this is total, this is just me babbling. But my guess is that it isn't that they couldn't probably weather that storm. They probably could if they had a large enough line of credit. Because the hog business is cyclical, just like it is in the United States. And it's really good right now. Over and it's there. really good right now. But the problem is these banks don't have enough money 
to extend lines of credit to all these different businesses because they're all strapped for cash. So when they maxed out their line of credit with the bank or banks that they were working with, those banks didn't have enough money to raise that limit. And they're like, what do you do? They're screwed. So like in their case, they sold off a whole bunch of their feed milling operations to raise cash to keep them going. But then when that was exhausted, they're screwed. Out of options. And when you get to the point that you can't pay the help, things go south pretty fast. I don't think people realize how bad a shape China is in. And there was a it, there was a very popular idea that has gone around. In fact, it's still floating around even today with some people that the Chinese economy is going to, the GDP of China is going to go past the United States. China will eventually be the largest economy in the world. I don't believe that. I think that you're seeing the peak of their influence and the peak of their economy right now. Actually, I think it's already passed because they have been on this plan of uh, infrastructure development. They've poured money into infrastructure to put people to work with the idea that that was going to grow that economy and then the exports, you know, all the stuff they make was going to bring outside investment and they were going to build this massive economy that was going to overtake the United States. Now then they're running out of people. They restated the figures of their census. Turns out their population is in a lot faster collapse than what people what people thought. So the one child policy has really been fucked an them. Epic failure. The housing yeah. collapse is an epic failure. So for what people don't know, what he, dad means there is the demographics are not on their side. They don't have enough young people to replace the old, people. the old people that have been working jobs in China for years and years and years. So eventually there's going to be a, come a time where they're going to have all this industry built, all these businesses, all this amazing shit going on, and they're not going to have enough young people to replace those workers. And that's how you are screwed. So keep going. Yeah, and they're... They've built this on cheap, the idea of cheap labor, and you're not going to have cheap labor because you're not going to even have enough labor. And then the other problem they've got is that their currency today is at an all-time low against the U.S. dollar. Their economy is closed. In other words, their, their monetary system is closed because every time they've ever tried to open it up, what has happened is everybody that has money that is Chinese— They've gotten that money out of that state as fast as they could, and what did they do with it? They bought dollars. They converted the yen, the yen or not the yen. Yeah. Is yen. it the yen? Yeah. To dollars. And every time that happens, they've shut it down because they don't want all that currency fleeing the country. So it is a mess. And so what we said in the beginning is China's got no chips, and we're not talking about potato chips. The United States passed a... I guess it was an executive order by the Biden administration concerning high-tech uh, chips like what are used in uh, supercomputers, um, guidance systems, GPS, AI. And they said that any person that is a United States citizen that is engaged in that type of work had so many days— In to- China— in China, they had so many days to decide if they wanted to lose their American citizenship 
or quit their job and return to the United States. And what this is going to do is basically put China in a horrible spot because their economic development as far as technology is going to get kicked back like 10 years. Speaking of bad things, you've really now given the Chinese, they've only got a couple of choices. One of those choices is you buy products from overseas that have these chips in them, and then you tear them out, and you take the chips, and you rewrite the, you rewrite them to use them for what you need to, which is not very efficient, not very easy. Or you go to the one other place that has chip-making capacity and the technology. You know where that is? Taiwan. Mm. So I don't know what game the Biden administration's playing, but it really has upped the tension between the Chinese and the Americans, but also the Chinese and Taiwan. Because if there ever was a reason for the Chinese to go after Taiwan, which they already consider to be part of their country, they, they consider the Taiwan, the country of Taiwan to not be a country, that it's actually a renegade state of China that is really part of their country. So that's not a good. Could have another war there. You could have another another battle going on there. It could be a World War Three. You totally could. And so that it's going to be really interesting to watch how. But the only thing that I think really weighs on all that is their demographics and their economy is changing so fast. I don't know whether they. I don't know whether they feel like they're strong enough that to they go to can war or not. Okay, let me ask you this: Do you feel like? America would play the same way we're playing Ukraine if Taiwan and China went to war. As far as we would give aid to Taiwan, give all the military technology. They already have it. They already have it. So, well, I, do you feel like they'd they'd play a par- proxy war again? No, I think we would enter that war. You think we would? I think 100%. Why would we enter that but wouldn't enter Ukraine? Um, that's a good question. I think the reason for that is it's a different kind of war well do you feel like it's because russia isn't as big of a threat as china and if we wanted to steamroll china we'd go in there and fucking steamroll steamroll them to send a message i i don't know but i know you have so you have a you have a treaty with taiwan you have a treaty with the japanese you have a treaty with the australians i think that we have kind of put ourselves in a corner where we have to. Um, well, and do you feel like, is Europe as valuable of, of an ally as those three? I believe Europe is every bit as much, but the way the... We're basically fighting a war in Ukraine. I mean, let's not kid yourself. You're, so your brother told me the other day, we were talking about the Javelin missile. Do you know that if you're a Ukrainian soldier on the ground and you have a uh, an MRAD or a... Or a uh, Javelin missile or whatever, you name it, XYZ that you got from the United States Missile launcher. Rocket launcher. And you whip that out and you don't know how to do it. Every piece of that equipment has a 1-800 number, has a phone number that you can call and it's manned by a Ukrainian-speaking American GI somewhere, probably in Germany. And it's like tech support. You can call that number and they'll walk you through whatever you got to do. Jeez. So we are, I mean, we're fighting that war. Don't, don't let anybody well, tell you otherwise. They want to say that we're not though, because there's not boots on the ground. 
So do you feel like it would be the same way in Taiwan, or do you think we put boots no, on the ground? No, because it, if it happens, it, it'll, be the, it'll be the Chinese Navy that will attempt to make that. They will attempt to land Chinese troops on the ground in Taiwan, and for that to happen, the Chinese Navy has to cross into Taiwan's territorial waters through international waters, and the United States Navy will say, nope, not going to happen. And that's what it'll. That's where it'll start. That was a long, hot topic right there. Hot topic. <laughs> that was a long, hot topic. But hey, there was a lot to unpack there. China yeah, is. That, that, so to wrap it all is. up, China is kind of fucked right now. And if they don't, if they don't do something, they're well. They're so going to be. The world, I I believe this totally. We are just at the beginning of two. Two entirely separate uh, situations in the world. So, in the one hand, you have just an unbelievable amount of problem, uh, safety issues, uh, whatever you want to say, economic problems, food insecurity. You have all this stuff. Natural resources. All this stuff that's kind of hanging by a thread that it's like a powder keg and it could really go wrong. And then on the other side of it, we're at the cusp of some of the greatest technological breakthroughs when it comes to the quality of life and the amount of free time that people will have to create, basically do amazing things. Like those two worlds are existing simultaneously. And I don't know what's going to happen, but whoever whoever does and does it the fastest and does it the most is going to win. Well, long term. The other problem is we are totally unraveling, and this is where you get you know. Obviously, I'm influenced by my opinion that I think that somebody like Peter Zion is 100 percent correct. I I think that he's right in the fact that the the idea of universal trade and that we're all tied together, the world is going to decouple. So in other words, um, the trade with China, the trade with all over the world, being able to ship your product anywhere you want to go, that deal is done. And you're seeing it. The Biden administration, the Build Back Better plan, which is build back bullshit as far as that goes, but they are incentivizing chip production in the United States. They're incentivizing... Battery production in the United States. Well, I was going to say that. I was going to talk about that a little bit. You look at uh, Jocko's company, Origin. There's so many more people that are coming to America, and they're just they're going to say, fuck it. We don't care what it costs. We're going to make American-made stuff here in the United States with American labor, and that's what you're going to get. That's what you're going to pay for. And I think people are buying premium American-made 100% products. I think that you're seeing more and more of that stuff. Yeah. Pro-America companies and businesses that's becoming a trend but then you're also seeing it's a necessity so you're also seeing tech companies that the uncertainty in china the zero covid policy the lack of labor that's all playing into it and that is bringing industry back to the united states and all of the geopolitical problems and the uncertainty in europe the uncertainty in with japan and or Taiwan and China, the you don't know if your people are going to be safe overseas. So they're bringing it back here. And best demographics, United States. 
And the reason for that, love it or hate it. Immigration. Legal and illegal immigration. And the some of the best demographics as far as age group goes. Mexico, Mexico. right by us. So if you look at Canada, because of its proximity to the United States, because of its proximity to Mexico, the United States, Mexico, and Canada are in the best shape of any geographic location in the world to weather the storm of the world decoupling. It's just, it's just, that's just the. the if we can get our goddamn shit together and not run this country into the ground. <laughs> True. I mean, God, there, the, the number of things that completely go wrong are, are probably greater than what has to go or yeah, is much more than what can go right. Sorry. But it sorry. can Sorry if I blew your eardrum out right there, guys. No, I just right. got pretty hot in the hot You'll topic. Have to maybe go minus yeah three point I'm I'm just saying it's God if people just stop bitching about stupid shit and let's get this country back on what's made it amazing. We could do some awesome shit beyond the. We could be the number one superpower in the entire world, which we've well, been for a long time. We could be back to the greatest nation that's ever existed. We, we still be. are, but uh, it's kind of looking. Well, a little bit be. foggy right now. We could be. And then the other thing is, you know, this whole thing, this is nothing new. I mean, there have been civilizations that have, ri- have risen and fallen throughout history. The Romans, the Egyptians. I mean, I've been through it. We talked about it. And every group that has had that happen, we all think we're just so fucking smart. We are the smart ones. We got it figured out more than anybody ever, and that's total bullshit. We're not, because at our core... We're flawed. I mean, we're flawed individuals, and uh, absolute power uh, corrupts. corrupts absolutely. Hard times <laughs> make hard men. Hard men make soft times. Soft times make hard, soft men, and soft men make hard times. And we have some soft ass motherfuckers around now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we do. It's true. We do, and you, we're just kicking the can. I mean, this is just... Yeah, and we go back on stupid shit every four years, folks. Every four years, you're going back, and we got corruption in politics. We got these politicians that are corrupt that just take pay cuts and vote and vote and fundraise on fundraise and fundraise on certain subjects. We fundraise on problems that we don't have any intention of solving because we want to fundraise on those problems. We want to make money. And it's all about that. It's all about ourselves. And I've said this... When I talk about when I talk about this farm, I tell people that I am a hundred percent standing on top of the I am I am standing on the shoulders of all the people that came before me that did the really hard work. Because what we do today is nothing compared of what my ancestors did. It's nothing. You can say it a million different ways. I'm sitting underneath the shade tree under the shade of the tree that my great-grandfather planted. You know what I mean? The people, the people that did the work that did not get to enjoy the fruits of their labor, those people don't exist today, or there's damn few of them. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem we have in this country. We have people that are not doing the work for a generation, two generations from now. They are in ri- they are in full blown enrich themselves mode. It is me 
It is what am I going to do for me and my family right now? Not for what I want to do for the future of this country, not what I want to do for future generations. There's there's damn few people. There are people like that. I'm one of those people. You're one of those people. I think most farmers are like that. I think there's a lot of business owners that are like that. There's damn few politicians. Damn few politicians, though. Yep. And damn few people out there like that. So yep. I agree with that. 100% I agree with that. That was that was a hot hot topic i would say (laughs) so we're getting we're getting pretty long here on our uh hot topics so we're gonna we're gonna go fast on these last two what do you say yep okay so first we got mortgage rates mortgage rates jumped to seven percent here in the united states and that's the highest it's been in how long Long time long long time i don't know exactly and you gotta ask the question is this the death is this a death blow to the housing market is it is it not? Well, it, it totally changes because if you were a person that you were going to buy a half million dollar house and mortgage rates were three and a half percent. Year ago was. Yeah. So today, you obviously can't afford that half million dollar house. So it's going to change the mix of houses that are getting built. I mean, I think Jeff talked about that a little bit uh, last week, but it moves everybody down the rung. And who it really hurts is that first-time home buyer? Because now, then, that first-time home buyer, there is a smaller window of what kind of house they can afford to move out of what they're renting. And what's also what he was saying is rents go up, right? Because now the demand of first-time home buyers or home buyers in general is down. Yeah. So rents. Yep. It's because not rents. Rents don't go down in a in a in a bad time in the housing market. Yep. Just. It rents actually probably stay the same or go up because they now realize everybody's trying to rent. Yeah. If so you, I mean, it's it is crazy, but it's you have to have in every in every area or every community you have to be you have to be building the really nice houses along with every other one because the person that gets to an age and they get their kids move out, they get their shit paid for, they got that good job and they're concentrating and they're really starting to make the money. And they want to buy that top level house, then the person that is behind them, that their kids are are getting to that high school age and stuff's going, they want they want a bigger house. They buy that house from those people. All the way down, everybody moves up, and then at the bottom, you gotta have housing that is affordable for those people that are getting married, starting to have kids, getting their first job, getting out of college. They're looking, they've been renting, and they want to buy that first house. And the only way you have that first house is if everybody else moves up. And so higher interest rates just compress that because everybody at every level stays Stays. in there longer. Mm -hmm. And they can't move up. Like most of those people, they're not going to just buy a house that is the same size, square footage, neighborhood is what they had there's no point in doing that right and that's the other thing it's like if you've got a mortgage out there if i'm living and i've got a mortgage and i i refinanced it i bought this house say i bought this house 10 years ago and my mortgage is at two percent you ain't moving am i gonna go buy a house and pay seven percent for it hell no i'm not going to i mean unless i'm sitting on a pile of cash but that's not yeah but that's not most people right so it's definitely going to be hard. And it's only going to move up. Interest rates are only going to get increased for a while. For a while. I mean, Jeff Jeff was talking. I mean, he saw rates that were what? 16, 18%? Yeah. 
And so, I mean, it could keep going, and it's it's what we've talked about in previous hot topics. I mean, the government is on the plan of we're gonna we're gonna ramp up interest rates to pump the uh, what liquidity out of the market. Yep, inflation out of the market, and we've been saying on here that that's not the only thing. Printing all that money wasn't the only thing that has caused inflation. The supply chain shit playing out on the world stage labor. all labor all that stuff plays in inflation not just the printing of the money so raising the interest rates might be a detriment to the american people rather than what they're intending it to be yep so and you're not just seeing it in the housing market you're seeing it in ag lines of credit so yep. what that went up to seven percent so good so here's a great example when you talk about ag if i'm a if i'm a large farmer say i've got a million dollar line of credit say i'm farming a shitload of ground and i got a million dollar line of credit Literally a year ago, compared to going into next year, the cost of the interest on that line of credit has doubled. Because a year ago, it was three and a half. Three and a half, three, seven, five, whatever. Now you're looking at seven. And and you got a good crop, high commodity prices. You got landlords that don't give a fuck. <laughs> and they are going to want more rent. Yep. And nitrogen's going up. Seed corn, we bought our seed corn last year, and seed didn't really go up because this all kind of started after everybody went in and prepaid or bought their seed corn. Oh, the, the seed, I guarantee the seed corn guys, they're just sharpening the knives because it's going up this year. And so you're, everybody's going to get squeezed. So, and, and that's not just ag. I don't care if you're a plumber, if you're a dirt, you know, if you've got a line of credit. So that's going to change. That I was listening to All In Podcast, and they were talking about this. It is going to change a lot of businesses because so many businesses have been running for decades on free money. Free money. I mean, it two percent. Shit, I'll get a loan for that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's nothing. It's nothing. And now, then you're looking at you have to actually, if you're going to go borrow money to buy something, whatever you buy or whatever you build or whatever you do it damn well better return a profit because if it if it doesn't you're going backwards mm -hmm. and so buying that extra buying that extra traco or buying another tractor because it'd be nice to have if you can't pencil that if you can't put that to the bottom line that that's going to make me more productive that i can actually get more income you ain't going to do it because mm -mm. it won't work no it won't work well you'd be stupid to do it yeah and there's guys out there that are playing that game of it's been cheap this for a long, long time. Yep. They got these massive lines of credit and this shit is going to increasingly go up and up and up. And if you're going to be playing in that game of how big, how big's my cock on the table of, I got the best shit. I'm going to run the best shit. <laughs> I got the best shit. I'm going to run the best shit. I want to look the best. I want to farm all I can farm. And you better, you got, yeah, you guys got to make sure that shit pencils. You got to make sure yeah. it pencils because it's not going to be a good deal if you don't. It's gonna and be it goes it goes for everybody out there. You everybody. This is not the time to go buy that extra fucking coffee at Starbucks. This is not the time to buy dumb shit. Not not do your books. Not look at your budget. Uh, make stupid purchases because we're heading into some tough times. Interest rates are going to keep climbing. No matter if you're getting a car. No matter if you're buying a property. No matter if you're a freaking farmer. Uh, well, just having a line about, of credit. We didn't talk about credit card debt. 
Yeah. If you're on revolving credit card debt and you're already paying, I don't know what credit card debt, what what credit card rates were if they were 18, 19%. But if they were, if they were, I don't care if they were 14%, they're headed to 23%. Yeah. I mean, they're headed, it's going to be prime plus whatever. So it's going up. So the amount of people that are strung out on credit, it's only going to get worse. And if you're getting a payday loan now, you, I don't know. You better, you better get your shit figured out. Yeah. And I, something to talk about the real estate thing. And this is just, if you're, we always say on here, if you're a, a reoccurring listener or watcher that when there's blood, isn't blood in the streets, that's opportunity. You know, when everybody's selling, that's when you should be buying. Well, Sawyer, how the fuck do I buy anything in a recession when interest rates are 7%, 8%, 9%, 10%, however high they go? The only way that I would, and we just had Jeff Hazlett on the podcast, and he talked about how he regrets not just buying, not buying, buying a deal, and buying more, buying more. I should have bought more if it if it penciled. The only thing that I can think of that would help buying in a recession, if you don't have the cash, because we always say cash is king, but if you're if you're somebody that doesn't have the cash or not enough cash, seller finance is the way to go. Yeah. If you can find a, if you can find a seller that's looking to get rid of something. You got to be like, look, man, I'm not going to be able to go get a loan with 7% interest to make this thing pencil. But if you sell or finance this to me and give me a 3% interest on it, I can pay you 3% interest on top of whatever uh, over 10 years or five years, whatever you're buying. That's probably this. That'll probably pencil a lot better than trying to go get a, a bank loan because yeah. that ain't going to work. Yeah, you're it's you got to have to work harder, but you got to remember at any time there's people that are going to be just as motivated to sell something because they need the money as there is opportunities to buy. And that's the other thing. You can't probably do that with every seller because that seller might want that money now. Right. He wants to sell that right now. He wants all that money right now. So if you're like I can only pay you this monthly over a 5 or 10 year period, he might be like, "Well, that's not for me. I want all the money right now." Yep. So it just depends on the seller, but that's truly the only thing that I can think of. If you don't have cash, that's the only way that you could buy an asset. Yep. Or right an now. asset value's got to go down. True. So it's the absolute reverse of rent. So as as those mortgages are squeezed, and as people are can't swing those mortgages, there's a certain price out there where housing housing prices may get hurt on the top end. Because you're getting a smaller and smaller market that that is affordable to. So that's where you may find the opportunity on higher price real estate. You may be able to find those deals to do seller financing because they know they're not, they might want that money now, but they may not be able to find a buyer. Mm -hmm. So those, that, I mean, that's what you got to be looking for. Yep. Okay, last hot topic, guys. Hot topic, last hot, last one. So I'm I'm addicted to saying that now. I, I think it, it needs of, a stick. It, is. it needs a stick. So uh, Elon is purchasing Twitter. It's going through. When's it going through? Friday. Friday. Friday the 28th. So we're going to be a little bit behind. It's, it's yeah, going to be already have happened when you watch or listen to this. But I'll let you talk on this because you get a little amped up about it. I'll comment when oh, I want. Oh, I'm excited. I am so excited about it. So... Uh, Elon went to Twitter headquarters here a day or two ago, and uh, what's hilarious about it is he walked in literally carrying a sink. 
a white porcelain sink. And some of you may be thinking, well, you know, what's that got to do with? Well, so one of the most popular tweets that I, that I saw that went out was, uh, and I honestly don't know who did it. I, I think, if I can remember right, it was, a, it was a fairly high up employee at Twitter that went and did a rant about, uh, about Elon and how terrible it was if he purchased uh, Twitter. And they ended that with, just let that sink in. That was, their, that was their deal, just let that sink in. And so Elon took that to heart, and he showed up at Twitter headquarters, and he brought his own sink uh, to, let it, to let that sink in on everybody. And I would be willing to bet you that there are quite a few people that are shitting themselves because his comment about Twitter was that he... He estimated that somewhere around 70% of the workforce didn't need to be there. So I think Twitter has about an 8,000, has about 8,000 people working for it. And that would take the, that would take it down to like 20, 2,700 people or something like that. But I do, I think that it my is message be to him, huh? my message to him is he should get a big ass sink and he should make all those people. If they want to quit, slide down the sink. <laughs> just throw the resignation letter in there. Oh, in the sink. Yeah, yeah. Well, that'd be kind of funny, and then like he could that. burn it or something. That might be get funny. a get a uh, Tesla bot to get a flame a boring company flamethrower <laughs> and just fucking light it on fire. So um, <laughs> I am I am pretty amped about it because I really think that what you're gonna see is I think Twitter very well may become most neutral platform. As far as no left or right wing yes. agenda, and the opportunities there, like I I see them going the route of YouTube, where they allow pretty much any length of video that you want to upload and allow that to be monetized. But then going the way of Patreon, where you could do subscriptions, memberships, memberships within the platform, not having to go off the platform, and then in a nod to all the dirty bastards that kicked him out when he sold PayPal, uh, allow online payments, much like uh, Facebook Messenger does now, yep. through the platform. If you roll that together, you could be literally watching the beginning of, of one uh, of the greatest comebacks of a tech company uh, in modern Yeah, history. in the social media game for sure, because Twitter has been around for a long time, and this could really get them relevant. Yeah, they this can make them really relevant in today's social media game, so much so that they could be what Instagram is, but do it better because Instagram's organic reach, you just can't grow on Instagram like you used to. And I think Twitter, with them being neutral, not going to cancel people. I mean, he's, he's anti-cancel culture, 100% is. It's really going to give people a platform to post what they want and feel like they're not going to just get it all taken away and have to, they can post what they want and have no repercussions. I mean, to an extent, yeah. y'all, I'm not stupid. I, I will just tell you all that my, my prediction and you know, that's the great thing about all these. And I'm scared to go back and watch some of my, I don't know if I've made any too off the wall. I don't think you have predictions that have uh -uh. gone awry yet, but nope. um, I totally predict that, um, a year from now, we'll be posting this podcast on Twitter. We'll still be on YouTube. 
I, I love all the platforms we're on. It's so unique, the different, the different type of people that you get from, say, TikTok to Instagram to Facebook to YouTube. To podcasts. To podcasts. But I fully expect that we'll be, we'll be posting content to Twitter. I, I, I love Twitter. I just always hated the fact that you couldn't do the video thing. Yep. Because I feel like Dad would be a way better Twitter guy than I am, just as fat in the fact that you have so many good one-liners. I do, but I got these fat fingers, and yeah. it's so hard for me to type. I could do the video. You just you could write out the tweets that are funny as hell. Right, and that's viralities. We're fuck. We'll hit a hundred thousand downloads every day. Yeah, we hit do that. Sky's the limit. Sky is the limit. So yeah, I'm looking forward to Twitter becoming a neck the next. It could be the next big platform, but it'll be a platform that's relevant again, I think. And before we roll it down, I think that the Model Y was the best-selling vehicle, not just EV, not hybrid, the best-selling vehicle in Europe for the month of September. So uh, if anybody out there thinks the competition is coming and that Tesla is not going to end up owning that market, uh, I think that just another day, notch. Just every another day, notch. the machine is just rolling, and um, big things coming. Start delivering semi next month. Uh, they got their EPA. They got their EPA sticker or whatever that you got to have for uh, before you can start delivering VIN numbers. Uh, they got that done. The press, the casting machine from uh, Ghidra. In Italy, I think they're from Italy, uh, that is going to be the to make the cast, the aluminum skeleton for the Cybertruck. That has been shipped, so it should be arriving to Texas. My American flag wrapped, wrapped uh, Tesla Cybertruck should be coming any day. Ugly. <laughs> Ugly as shit. I really hope you don't get one. I'm going to get the uh, General Lee horn for it. You need to get a, you need to make it look more American. I can't believe I'm saying that. You need to get a Longhorn. Longhorn. I could. I could get a Longhorn for it. Yep. And then put it right I'm on the front. Get, uh, like a. I'm gonna since I don't have a dog anymore. I'm gonna get a pet eagle to just ride around. Right on the on the top of it. Yep. Just put its claws in there. Yep. Yeah, that'd be pretty sweet. Now I'm I'm liking that. Now <laughs> I'm on board. If you can find a eagle to get on that train, I think they might still be protected. <sighs> I might need a permit. For Probably. All right, guys. So we're gonna wrap it up. That was a hell of a episode. Hell I'm exhausted. of a. Yeah, I am too. I'm talked out. You did most of the talking, but even I talked a, a lot too. But that was a great hot topics. Uh, if you guys got a lot of value from the show, we you know you know pay the fee, guys. We really appreciate every single one of you been doing that. Um, but really, at the end of the day, you got to control what you can control. You know, you got to work in your local communities, set the standard in your communities of what it, it what it what it is to be a true american uh go and freaking vote vote for the people that have our best interests in mind and aren't going to be bought and paid for by the establishment that is what we need that's what we got to do to get this country back on the freaking rails that have made it amazing for centuries um do your own research don't panic cuz like i said you can't you got to control what you can control and be a good human be a good human. Yeah, be a good fucking human, okay? All right. So that's going to be it, guys. Pay the fee. We'll see you back here next week for another episode. Also, one last thing. 
barntalkshow at gmail.com if you have any questions for our Q&A episode. Sorry, now we're done. See you guys. Bye.